0: Are we not the best of some friends already? Only in media.
1: Hello and welcome everyone to the only podcast not left exposed in this week's expansion draft. It's of course time to do a little bit of stargazing and... I have to say the the agenda for today's call certainly uh, over the course of the afternoon got maybe a little bit more excited than we originally intended. Um, I'm joined by Mark and Tyler this evening. Uh, How's it going, guys? Going great. Nothing to complain about definitive i like that no no time to waste on on blither and blather so as i mentioned we've got a got a little bit to talk about we're of course going to focus on the expansion draft it is looming and with rosters finalized we now know what dallas stands potentially to lose and and what they already have lost we'll focus on a couple of players we'll talk trades um we'll talk a contract that recently got signed and i'm going to do my best to make tyler and mark as long alongside most of stars nation's blood boil with a little bit of late afternoon breaking gossip some hot goss as they say but um we'll we'll keep that to the end just to to tease and and keep you guys around so we're going to kind of go chronologically here and, and we'll start with um Ah, rolling dice. We're gonna go ahead and we're gonna go ahead and start with the good news. Get that out of the way. And and everyone's sweet, sweet baby boy Miro has, of course, put pen to paper ending thankfully the summer's shortest um, waiting game and, and has committed his future to the Dallas Stars. And he, of course, has signed an, an eight-year, I believe it's an eight-year pact, is that fact checked me on the on the years. But he's he signed for term. He's locked and he's loaded. And and start with you, Ty. Yeah, it's the eight. Eight years by 8.45 million. Thank you so much. And, and in honor of sharing the stats on that, Tyler, we're going to go ahead and go go with you first. Where were you when you saw the news of the contract signing? And, and what was your first blush reaction to seeing Miro commit in immediate and really long-term future to the Dallas Stars?
0: Oh, uh, where I was at the moment is I was actually... Uh, I was visiting some of my uh, in-laws, uh, future in-laws, on their uh, lake house, and I was actually out on a boat when the uh, the news broke, and I saw it on my phone. Uh, I mean, I'm beyond thrilled that uh, Miro is my uh, favorite player. I think he is the best player on the Stars currently, and, you know, there's all this talk about, okay, um what you know? What is going to be for you know some of his comparable players like Fox or McCarr and if they're going to sign deals first, that will set the bar. And if you know Stars will have to do like a bridge deal, you know, so he can cash in later. So the fact that he got the deal done first before all of them, and that he just he wanted to do eight years, and so we were able to get him locked up, uh, four years of UFA already locked under key. I mean, that's just incredible for the Stars. It's a home run.
1: Yeah, and I, I like the, the, the home run and, and the surprise of locking in term. And we'll go ahead and pivot to you, Mark. Did you expect a long-term deal?
2: I actually was expecting a bridge deal, um, but I, I'm perfectly happy with a long-term deal. It changes the, uh, the math a little bit, I think, on what other moves Dallas can make uh, for this upcoming season. But Miro for eight sounds perfect. And uh, no, he's still going to be a uh, he's going to be in his prime when it's over. So this is lots of years of, of great watching. Number four.
1: Yeah, and and this is this is going to be a little bit out there because I, I agree with both of you. And this honestly reminds me a lot of the John Klingberg contract. Um, just to spoil something we're going to talk about a little bit later. And and, and more that in the fact that you know Miro is in a different tier than John Klingberg. He is. He is a player who has potential legitimate Norris potential and he's already a fantastic defenseman He's d- does not do anything poorly right and he's he just turned 22 years old. this is a this is a franchise cornerstone all situation you know name a task and he's great at it player. And yes, you know eight and a half million almost eight and a half million dollars is a lot objectively, but you know with with the way the flat caps going to go, a bridge deal probably costs the stars more because Miro likely gets much, much better over the next three to four years. So giving, giving Dallas the ability to lock in right now, I mean, if, if, if Miro just, if he never improves, this is a good deal, right? Versus if he improves even a little bit, right? It suddenly looks better and better and better, especially towards the back half of this deal when you expect there will be more cap flexibility. So it, it's one of those... You know, like I said, it, it reminds me of Klingberg in the sense of we're going to look back on this and think about all of the benefits Dallas reaped because this player was willing to commit his future to the team versus you know being a little bit more of a short-term thinker. And, and I think it's a it's this this front office has a lot of strengths, and this is another really good example of like say what you want and there are certainly flaws elsewhere but is it a fair statement yes no jim Nil has managed to convince good players to sign contracts and play for the dallas stars
0: yeah and like and you you threw out the clean comparison another one i've seen around that i agree with is you know kind of like the victor uh headman uh, contract you know the fact that it's you know we're currently looking at headman's just off of you know he's won the north he was Norse finalist this year he won the con Smythe, and it's like oh my god like look at that contract and look how cheaply they're paying him compared to his contemporaries. I mean, I think we could very well see that for, you know, Miro in just a couple of years. I mean, if Stars win the Cup in 2020, then he might have very well won the con Smythe. And, you know, had it not been for the, Miro and the Stars getting rampaged by COVID to begin the season, just a down season for the club at all, like, you know, maybe you would have had like a bit better numbers. I mean, there's really no way to go, but up. And I mean, like you said, he, he's worth the contract as he is right now. And he I mean, just turned 22 yesterday uh, as of recording this. he's uh, He's got his whole ceiling ahead of him. And,
2: and
1: Yeah. Yeah. Please, Mark, go ahead.
2: Oh, I, I was just going to say, I, the, the, the worst thing you can say about Miro is that his skill set is so broad that it's really hard to have him be a unicorn in one specific area and so for instance somebody like Hedman is just such a beast on the power play and he gets so many points off of that 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 brings him into the uh into the conversation because of that and with miro you know he zone exits don't really draw a whole lot of attention playing great defense doesn't draw that much attention but Everything he does, he does well. He makes people around him play a lot better. And so as such, he's a he's a he's a player that may never get the amount of notice that he really deserves.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great way to put it, right? He's he's not he's so good at everything, that nothing really stands out, and sometimes if you're not paying close enough attention, you can fool yourself into thinking, "Oh well, then there's not that." Like, like it's the classic: if if everything is an elite skill, what's your elite skill? Yep. And so yeah, and, and this and the other the other. So, you know, Klingberg take, you know, I think at the end of this trade, right, obviously at the end of this contract, it's going to look like a discount. The other thing that this reminds that this kind of jumped out in my brain and reminded me of when it got signed is the the way that the market tends to reset itself in the NFL when a quarterback signs a contract and how we always go through this cycle of the day that the quarter you know the day that Patrick Mahomes signs his deal everybody loses their collective minds over how much money he's making and by the end of the deal everybody loses their collective minds over how little money he's making because the way the way that it, that position impacts the game the way that the cap in the NFL has continued to move right a bunch of factors kind of coalesce and when you look at a long term deal Unless you truly screw it up, right? Most long-term deals tend to be, you know, like when age isn't a factor, right? Like tend to work out because guys don't tend to fall off cliffs between the age of 22 and the age of 28. And so I think that that this is one of those, this is going to be, this is good. It can only be viewed as good and it's just nice to have it off the list of you know Dallas Stars priorities now we can get to everything else this team needs to accomplish over the next couple months
2: right I I think it's good for Dallas because there was always this lingering question that I saw out there that said you know Miro isn't happy in Dallas and so uh, even if he takes a short-term deal he's really looking to get out of out of Town by the time he hits UFA, and this just completely takes that off the table, and allows the the team, the organization, everybody to just have that in the past. And this is what's going to be key to
1: our team for the
2: next eight years.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that you're exactly right. He's he is. It's the first of sort of the next wave of building blocks to get locked in.
2: Yep, and and, and the prime one that needed to be there. That's the cornerstone.
1: It isn't. And before we pivot, Tyler, is there anything else you'd like to to chime in on the mirror extension before we move on to, to other pressing matters?
0: Uh, nope, just that, you know, we, we locked up a future Norris winner. <laughs> that's all I gotta say.
1: Yeah, that's all you can say. And it's it's just a it's a great news for the stars. And, and it was a little bittersweet, right? Because continuing to move along the timeline. The other the other big going on of the weekend is that Dallas finalized its expansion roster. And I want to focus on sort of First off, starting with two interesting things that happened as a result of it, the first being Dallas traded Jason Dickinson to the Vancouver Canucks for a third round pick. And and, and Tyler, we started with you last time. So Mark, I'm going to go ahead and ask the same question. Where were you and how did you react when you saw the news that, that Jason Dickinson had been moved?
2: Well, my answer is actually the same for both questions, which is I was on, I, I was on the golf course and I made it back to the 19th hole and uh, ordered an adult soda and opened up Twitter and everything was, uh, had, had blown up. And so it took me a while to kind of catch up and, and think my way through. And most of the reactions were already out there. Um, obviously what this, uh, what this meant when, uh, when the whole thing came down was we fully anticipated Dickinson being selected by Seattle and that's probably true. The the question I have with the whole thing is, uh, what what happens now? We we've kind of opened a can of worms, and there are a bunch of different things that could happen. And is opening that can of worms worth the cost of just losing uh, Dickinson to Seattle?
1: Well, it's a fact. And, and this is where I, I'm glad you, you said it that way, because I do want to start with like one of the things that did annoy me about this is that, well, we didn't want to lose him for nothing fallacy because it, it, it comes with this idea that, yes, the risk of having a player picked is losing for nothing, but you still have to participate in the expansion draft. So what what the Dallas Stars have really decided isn't that they didn't want to lose Jason Dickinson for nothing. It's that. They and I'm I'm just picking on somebody. I have no foreknowledge or specific insight. It's it's the Dallas Stars deciding that no, we don't want to lose Jason Dickinson for nothing, but we're totally fine losing Jason Dickinson and Blake Como for a third-round pick, right? And so I, I get a little bit peeved when I hear that that argument. Well, they had to do something because if they hadn't traded Jason Dickinson, they were going to lose him for nothing. Well, they lost him anyways, and the return wasn't exactly amazing so so tyler how about you what what's your kind of first blush on on this pickup
0: yeah no i'm right with you on that i think my eyebrow twitches a bit every time i read the words uh loose for nothing uh you know i I think i think you put it nicely it's like you know at the end of the day it's like if they hadn't made the trade they probably would have lost jason dickinson and now instead they're going to lose jason dickinson and someone else for a third round pick and so when it comes down to it is you basically have to ask like the player that dallas ends up losing expansion draft would you have traded them for a third right round pick straight up you know and if it's someone like you know uh blake como or adam asherin or so or anyone like especially given the stars lack of two terribly attractive options you know the answer is probably going to be yes i would trade them for a third round pick and be happy with it and I mean, I think if it's Vancouver, I think it's Vancouver's third-round pick for this draft, which is actually pretty high. So it's like, you know, that's why, from my standpoint, you know, I I like the trade. You know, you're still losing someone, and people are like, oh, you you don't want to lose two players. You could have just lost one, but you know, I think probably depending on who the stars lose, I mean, I would trade them for a third, and I think that's where they could possibly come out ahead, but. There definitely is a concern, and I feel a lot of teams did this, Uh, maybe not necessarily nil in the stars, but I feel a lot of teams kind of tried to galaxy brain themselves out of (laughs) losing a certain player, and all they did was just put them in a worse position than they would have been had they just stood pat.
1: Yeah, I think that's... That's a really good way to phrase it. And, and it's also, and this is, I, I was even joking with, I think it was David and some other folks on Twitter, that this trade is making me feel like an a-hole because I feel like I keep having to say things that can be interpreted as, as not loving Jason Dickinson. And I think that that to start, right, he will, his loss is, he was a, a fantastic player for this club. You need a Jason Dickinson on a roster. He's a great you know, by all reports, he's a great person, right? And, and somebody that, that, you know, is is worthy of respect and admiration. But, you know, it also gets into the brutal calculus of sports and that, like, you know, I think you need a Jason Dickinson. You don't necessarily need the Jason Dickinson. So it's not, you know, reacting to this trade like Dallas was somehow giving away some linchpin, you know. This this isn't going to meaningfully impact the way that the the roster kind of comes together and the way that the team performs next season, right? If, if Jason Dickinson is the difference between, you know, a good outcome and a bad outcome, it's probably not a sign that the stars were succeeding is, is where I land. But, um, you know, I, I do think that the galaxy brain thing is a bit, uh, you know, you can get there. And what I, what I think that, you know, the more I thought about it, I kind of wound up really liking the deal because looking at, at the, the Dallas Stars protection list, right? With Dickinson gone, they've basically maneuvered it so that the person that Seattle selects will either solve a problem for the Dallas Stars, which we'll get to in just a minute, or be in the grand scheme of things irrelevant, right? Dallas isn't going to lose anything that they need. And I think that that's not that's not nothing. And the cost of a third, you know, at, at the cost of a third-round pick. Hey, you know what? I, I would take that. That's that's not a bad situation to be in heading into the expansion if There are certainly teams with a lot better players that are that are currently exposed.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess we have to take a look at who's available now, and and I kind of see this as a three-pronged uh, decision for for the Kraken. And I mean, the place I started was was Mascherin and and. I liked that for a while, but then when I started doing my own mock draft, uh, there were a lot of people like Maskrin who made more sense coming from other teams, and that kind of moved me to two different areas. One of which was was just uh, rolling the dice on Ben Bishop, mm-hmm. which uh, which could be uh, could be bad, could be good. Who knows? But I'm not sure that uh, you know getting a third for Jason Dickinson is worth taking that risk given what uh, what good Bishop and healthy Bishop is worth to the Dallas Stars or any team. Um, and then the second way I kind of I started going was in, in looking at the value propositions and maybe at, at Seattle uh, doing a sign and trade, um, I, I think Seattle very well might take uh, Jamie Alexiak. Um, sign him to a deal and then either keep him if they don't get an offer that they like or, or roll him into something uh, post draft. And again, if that's if Alexiak's somebody that uh, Dallas was looking to keep
1: then, uh then
2: that's a, a big loss.
1: Yeah, it, it is, and and I want to get your opinion on this one as well, Tyler. But as we've discussed in this in this space previously, and it certainly has been written about elsewhere, there are some legitimate questions to ask about Miro's Haskinen's impact on Jamie Alexiak's performance, and the the contract that you're going to have to get Jamie Alexiak in this market to get him to re-sign. And so while I did, you know, his name was definitely one of the ones that popped out as I skimmed the list as, well, that would be, a, you know, ostensibly that would be a top four defenseman the Dallas Stars would be losing. But there's, in my opinion, you get into a save them from themselves component. And there there could potentially be a value in Seattle, maybe offering Alexiak a contract that Dallas wouldn't. And, you know, if if, if we're all, we just finished a, a 10 minute segment glowing about how Miro Haskinen does everything. And, you know, there's a world in which you can get enough out of Miro's partner without needing to pay as much for Alexiak. And the way that this team's cap kind of stretches out That all of a sudden might give you better options at forward where we learned last season. Dallas could probably use another piece or two. Right. So I don't I don't love the idea of getting rid of Alexia or losing Alexia in a vacuum. But at the same time, I find my much like the Jason Dickinson question situationally. I find myself looking at, at at him potentially being selected and saying, "Well, it does create a problem for the stars, but it also solves a couple of problems for the stars. So maybe worst case, it's a push." Um, what are your thoughts on on a potential Alexiak selection, Tyler?
0: Yeah, this is all it's all kind of nice a uh, sneak preview for all you listeners because actually uh, I wrote a piece that should be. Uh, coming out soon about like the stars and their expan- the expansion selections they have available for seattle and, and Alexiak is one i keyed in on um specifically because i think you know when you starting to look one of the big talks of once all of the protection lists were uh, came out was you know how much you know good talent there was potentially available especially on the forward side for seattle to take and people you know a lot of the analytics crowd saying oh i just ran the numbers and if well, I, they go with my best roster, then they're actually favorites to win the Pacific with 105 points or stuff like that. And, you know, typically you sort of roll your eyes at stuff, but then we all saw how Vegas did a couple of years back. So, you know, there definitely is a way, uh, a, a universe where, you know, Seattle decides to take Galexiak and sell him on the idea, idea of like, hey, look at all the people we drafted with you. Look at this weak Pacific division. Um, and, you know, they, we have a chance to do something really good here. And by the way, we don't have any Albatross contracts we get already stuck with, or, you know, we cap space isn't much of an issue, but we can afford to pay you more than you could get in Dallas or elsewhere, you know, and possibly premier minutes as one of our top defenders. I mean, it could be a very, you know, appealing situation, you know, and especially because like. Uh, I mean I'm the same sense of view mark of you know Adam and looking about like oh yes he's he had a great year in the AHL He could be you know young forward he could do as well but you look at all the teams out there and pretty much every team has a player who matches that exact description you look at them and it's someone who's 23 or 24 they're Doing well, and it's all oh they have a potential to be a strong middle six forward, or if not, then they're still going to be a good depth piece or something like that. It's you know obviously Seattle can't take every one of those, and so in the cases like uh, Dallas, where there's some other options available, even if they're more of a risk or a gamble, you know those could be worth rolling the dice on.
2: Yep, yeah, I, I well I. I... When I did my draft, I ended up breaking things down, and, and it looked to me like Seattle had three categories that they can work through. You, you, you pick somebody first off who you, who you think you can use, and that means you understand what your systems are, here's a player who, from day one, will meet uh, what you needed to fit into that system. Um, the next thing you look at is, is there any value out there that we can turn? So somebody like uh, Tarasenko, for instance, uh, this has been popping around quite a bit. You know, Tarasenko has two years left on his contract. He's, he's a he's an elite scorer, he wants to get out of St. Louis. Um, you bring him in and you flip that for whatever you can get, which, uh, you know, that should be a pretty high, high level flip. Uh, and then kind of the last thing you look at is, well, if you don't get either one of those, is there somebody out there that you can potentially use in your system in the future? And there are going to be a handful of those. I mean, you're selecting 30 players and you really only have a roster of uh, 23. So, uh, so you know, th- there are going to be some people that uh, don't make the cut or
1: you need to be able to stash away for future use. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a good way to put it, and and, and I want to also get to just kind of keeping eye on the clock here. The the third name on the list, and if we want to keep talking um, Alexiak or anything else, we certainly can. But I want to make sure we cover the other big piece of news, which is that Ben Bishop has agreed and did agree to waive his no move protection. And so one of the the other kind of notable name on Dallas's no protect list is um, is the big man in goal. And seeing how that sort of changes. Um, the calculus. So before we we slide the bishop, were there any other surprises? Any other names? Anything else you guys want to pull out of the um, protect list before we focus on the crease? Crease, crease it is. Yes. This one was interesting because I, I, you know, and I, I made this joke um, in a tweet uh, over the weekend. But there is a world in which, and this is speaking of galaxy brain. Did did we just witness? Jim Nill maneuver things so that the most of you know appealing the, the most appealing decision Seattle could make was to inadvertently save Dallas from their suddenly crowded crease situation while clearing nearly five million dollars worth of space off of the Dallas Star salary cap by really leaving it. So I think that you mentioned earlier taking a you know taking a swing at, at Bishop. He to me is the most intriguing option on the Dallas list because of the variability, right? Like he's a guy that you could get and get literally nothing out of, right? There's certainly rumors about, you know, he's he's in month, you know, 16 of a recovery from a, a meniscus surgery, which is about 12 months longer than those things usually take and at his age and his body profile, that's not a not good news at all. But at the same time, his last two seasons as a functional NHL player were both north of 920 safe percentage so so he is sort of the quintessential lottery ticket in that if Seattle picks him up and gets any kind of health <clears throat> then they may that he's he is arguably the most elite talent especially goaltender but he's arguably you know if if he can resemble himself one of the the elite talents on the list of the expansion draft he could also be a complete failure and bust. So we'll start. Um, we'll start with you on this one, Mark. First off, you know, two two questions, right? Likelihood of you know here. We'll we'll do it this way. Pitch me on the benefits of C, of the Seattle Kraken taking Ben Bishop in the expansion draft.
2: Uh, pretty easy to do. Uh, it's uh, two years left on a contract that's south of five million dollars. Uh, he's, uh, a quality quality netminder net minder when he is healthy. Um, it's quite obvious at this point that he's not going to be healthy going into, uh, into the year. So that means that you have to set up, uh, some, some options in net, but it sounds like Seattle is real cro- close to a deal with Drieger. So, uh, they have one piece that they think is going to fit into their, uh, 1A, 1B situation. Um, so best case scenario is you get a veteran, quality netminder who maybe if you'd play him just 30 games a year, uh, can his body can take it and and that's well worthwhile. Uh and then on the downside, the worst case scenario is that you start him on uh, you know, season opening injured reserve. So you aren't really eating cap there. And if it turns out to be absolutely terrible and, and he never plays a game for you. Uh, he goes on long-term injured reserve, and uh, and if you're looking to spend at the cap, then that's money that, uh, you know, for, from an ownership point of view, it costs you some money, but even there, probably not a whole lot because most of it's probably insured. Um, so it, 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 there's really no downside to it there.
1: Well, and you, you get into it, an, and I'll get your take on that in just a second, Tyler, but just to double-click on the contract thing for a second, you get into a flat cap NHL where, you know, just, just a— just one simple example right is is minnesota cleared themselves a bunch of cap space by way of, of you know dropping Suter and parise this year will get they lose most of that savings next season so the value of a you know five million dollar hole in your salary cap is something that cannot be understated in in the modern nhl so there's that's that's kind of strangely appointed his favor. And then the other thing about Bishop's history, one thing that he has been able to do for the most part is he has missed time. He's battled injuries. He's always been able to, to contribute. Like whenever he does have that stretch of, you know, 30, 40 games, he's, he's able to contribute at a high level before he goes down again. So he's, he's been strange in that he gets hurt and he misses time, but when he doesn't miss time, he's quite good. So, you know, just to kind of go along with what you're saying there, there, there is something there. Tyler, what do you think?
0: Yeah, and echo that. I mean, I think it's it's not just that he's go- really good when hurt. It's like he doesn't have to, like, try and warm back up. It's almost like he picks up, you know, right where he left off. And I, the other thing you have to consider with uh, from Seattle's perspective is just, you know, looking at the other goalie options available. I mean, because we had – they were thinking, oh, Jake Allen was going to um, – be a great pick for them oh but then carrie price does a similar thing and waves his nmc or you know Aiden and be a good hill will be a good pick out of um arizona but oh no they uh turned him to san jose so they don't have to (laughs) protect him and so i i mean i think when you're looking at it like like mark mentioned they seem to be pretty mostly finalized with drager as one of their options unless you're willing to roll the dice on Kerry price's uh Albatross of a contract and Price has injury concerns of himself, so I wouldn't even touch off a 10 foot pole if I was Seattle. I mean, the only other, you know, I guess, attractive established goalie option besides someone like uh, Malcolm Subban or someone like that who, who's just going to be like your backup or your AHL star or whatnot. The really only other person out there, I think, besides Bishop is Braden Holtby who I would agree with, I would say when healthy Bishop is better at this point. And, you know, hopefully only has one year left. And I think even with Bishop's health, you know, you're making the gamble that he's going to get healthy at some point in the next two years. And at that point when he's healthy, either he helps you in Seattle or maybe you're able to flip him at a deadline or to a contender who needs goalie help, you know, some salary retained. Yeah, and worst case scenario, if he if his career is done and he never plays another game again, I mean, just like we mentioned later or earlier with um, 30 people getting selected in a roster of 23, it's very likely that whoever else they pick for uh, from Dallas doesn't play a single game for them either. So it's kind of like, you know, you have the salary space. It could be a home run pick. And the downside is not compared to the other options, it's not even that much of a downside. So I think you know, just based on the other options available, he is a very interesting and attractive pick. If I were the Kraken,
1: yeah, Mark, yeah, you're mean, looking to jump in here. What do you What do you have to say?
2: Well, the other thing I'd just throw out there is that uh, there is a, this whole UFA market that's out there where you don't even have to pick anyone in expansion if you want to just throw your name in the hat uh, with all the other teams out there. There's a, a decent uh, crew of uh, of unrestricted free agents that are available to fit your need. You know, somebody like uh, Peter Mrazek or something like that could could very easily be uh, be somebody who would fit in as a one A one B for Seattle if uh, if they thought that they would need that kind of situation to to get them through the season.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that to me is the argument that that cuts both ways, right? So on the one hand, you can afford to take a flyer on Bishop because hey, maybe you get a Vesna candidate for two years at a reasonable cap hit, um, or you get LTIR space, and and you can afford to take that swing because hey, if it doesn't work out, you're going to be able to find, and this is under the assumption, right? It is. It is being widely reported that Drieger is going to go to Seattle, and and with the Florida Crease situation being what it is, that, that feels right, right? That doesn't feel like a, a moonshot. So, you know, on the one hand, you've got Drieger presumably occupying, you know, one of the two slots, and then you can afford to take a swing at Bishop because if it doesn't work out, you can go to the free agent market and get a guy who's going to give you, or, or the trademark, you know, you've got cap space. You can, you can pick somebody up, right. If, if, if you really need to flip side, you don't need to necessarily take that gamble with Bishop because you can go to the market and, and pick up a guy that's probably, you know, so it's, you, you can, you can twist yourself in knots, but you know what, what for me at least the intriguing thing about Ben Bishop more than any other player, definitely on the stars list. And, and amongst the more intriguing players league wide is, there is a world in which you pick this guy up and look like a freaking genius, right? He's got experience in a shared crease situation. He is, by all reports, a, a well-liked teammate, right? He's got some name value. He's an American, which might matter to a franchise based in the States. So there's a lot of stuff that says he's a you know not bad pickup um, versus – you know, I guess the the next most you know skill comparable player on the stars is versus. Okay, with Alexiak, maybe you're you're saying that this is a you know classic case of a bigger defenseman figuring out later in his career arc, and you've got your hands on a, a second, perhaps first pairing big bodied defenseman. Um, and beyond that, it's pieces, right? It's as as good as Masher in season was last season. You know, is he is he really an NHL caliber lottery ticket, right? So he. I I keep coming back and and the more I the more I think about it the more that you know the, the gambler in me looks at Bishop and says hey maybe that's the guy. Uh, and then before we move on though I want to just touch base on you know the impact to the stars what would be you know from from your perspective Tyler if you want to dive in here first or, what would be the impact to Dallas if um if Bishop was Seattle's selection
0: So I think the first and foremost you have the The fact of the non-LTIR cap space that losing Bishop would clear, Um, you know, hey, now we're able to maybe look at a free agent, a a forward or defenseman uh, that we wouldn't have looked at otherwise. But I think even more important than that is you know, it just stabilizes and you're certain about what your crease is uh, going into this next season. I mean, I'm a big Jake Ottinger fan. Uh, Before uh, heading into last offseason, before we got the news that, you know, Bishop and Sagan were going to be out months due to surgery. And I was even making the argument that, you know, maybe you don't re-sign Hudobin because and have Ottinger be your uh, 1B because I think the best thing for the Stars right right now and their future is to get Ottinger as much NHL playing time as they can, and really have him cement himself as that goalie of the future, you know. And as it stands, if Bishop, Hudobin, and Onager are still around, and then what happens? Okay, if Bishop is healthy again, do you send Onager down, or do you? What if you trade Hudobin away? But then, oh, what if Bishop gets injured again? You know, I think yeah, heading into the season, knowing 100%, it's Hudobin and Oninger. And that's what we got, and we can, you know, play as much Ottinger as much as he uh, earns with his play. I think that's just a much better place for the Stars to be at from a, you know, team building and team management standpoint.
1: Mark, what what do you think?
2: I mean i I think it would hurt them just because this is a year that I think the team wants to make a final push for their uh, for the Ben Sagan time of the stars and uh, and having bishop is i think pretty important for that the other thing i would add is that losing bishop would create a organizational deficit that goes all the way down in in net miners where we're already a little weak uh going down into the ahl and so there's some
1: serious work would need to be
2: done in order to get us back to having a pipeline of, of goaltenders coming up
1: yeah, that's that's the piece that worries me as well, right? So we are, the the, the certainty that Dallas can afford to, to lose Bishop, you, to do that you sort of have to assume that Hudobin's inconsistency last year was driven by COVID and lingering effects for the final, which sure maybe, but at the same time he's not exactly in the age profile of a guy that has you know, bounce back written all over him, right? So so one, you're building on the assumption that open is going to recapture his previous form. He could, right? It's in play, but it's also possible that he couldn't. And then the second piece is you're gambling on continued linear improvement from a, a really second-year player with every team going back to 82 game schedules and probably going to be some disruptions, right? There's just a lot going on and part of the reason Dallas hung tough as long as they did this season was they had a security blanket in Jake Ottinger. Well, you know, imagine last season but all of a sudden the next guy and, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way apologies but you know imagine last season where, you know, Bishop goes down and all of a sudden the guy behind Hudobin is, you know, Colton Point, right? Or Landon Bow. And as as Mark mentions organizational deficit, it'd be, you know, the Bishop thing, losing Bishop only works out for Dallas if jake if jake ottinger is capable of being a true nhl caliber starter right now today immediately and anton hudobin is all of a sudden you know returns to health and the form that sort of won him hearts and minds during the bubble playoff run and those are not those are not insignificant those are no more insignificant gambles than on the status of ben bishop's knee it feels like sometimes
2: Right, and it's also gambling that everybody stays healthy. Yeah. Because if either Oddinger uh, or Kudoban goes down in that situation, then we we obviously have to sign somebody. But right now, your number uh, your number three in the organization, if you take Bishop out of the mix, is uh, is Shield down at the HL. He's played twelve professional games.
0: Yeah, I think if you lose Bishop, and, and you probably won't even explore, even if you due to his uh health issues even if you don't but i think going after someone who can be your ahl starter but also can be a solid backup in a pinch like an, a mike mckenna type goalie i mean if not better i think that's definitely something that should be on the stars radar heading into the off season to make sure that injuries don't screw them over yeah
1: again <laughs> yes it's it's gonna be it's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens and you know we'll, we'll certainly we'll spill more ink after Wednesday talking about the implications of Stars goaltending, but I think that is the biggest you know talking expansion draft. The the biggest point of impact for Dallas is whether or not Ben Bishop is viewed as an appealing option for the Seattle Kraken because there's a world in which he is and it works out great. There's a world in which he is and it works out poorly. There's a world in which he isn't. Right? There's the, he's sort of in him in him anything is possible at this exact moment. But uh, I did promise at the top of the podcast before we get away, before we close out, I want to thoroughly ruin both of your evenings, and and as well as our listeners. Uh, Schrodinger's goalie, I love it, KT. Thanks for the dynamite, dynamite drop in. But the the other big news, and it's sort of the the late breaking. It's not even it's not even news. It's it's a rumor at this point. Is that floating around that Dallas is very interested in Seth Jones, which is not in itself brand new but the revelatory piece is is just the one little extra line that mentions that, that John Klingberg has been part, his name has been part of the discussion and um, sticking, sticking with the theme and Tyler, it's your turn. Now, when you first heard those words, what, what was your, what was your knee jerk reaction? No. There we go. Mark, how about you? Uh, a word or two and then no. <laughs> That's right. We got to stay away from the explicit label. So, Want to dive in a little bit, um, you know, and certainly don't need just expanding a little bit. Tyler, why does that, um, why does that that bother you? Why would why would you consider that to be a bad move?
0: Yeah, I'm not as down on Jones as a lot of people. I think he had you know dealt a rough hand with Columbus. His analytics aren't the prettiest, but I, I still like him. But you know, unless he was, you knew he was going to be incredibly Cheaper than Klingberg and still be as good. It just doesn't make sense for me. You know how great Klingberg is. You know he fits in with this team and this locker room. It's just not worth trying to make some big shuffle. It it just isn't worth it in my opinion.
1: How about you,
2: Mark? Yep. You don't. You you know Dallas is weak on the right side on D. You don't. You don't uh, give up one of your prime right-handed demon to to do that. Uh, if, you, if you want to bring in Jones as, as somebody next to Miro, uh, I'm happy with that. Find a different way to do it or, uh, or bring in something like, somebody like uh, Adam Larson. Either way, I'm happy. Um, if, if it turns out that Alexiak doesn't get signed, I think uh, that either one of those options would work.
1: Yeah and to me the, the strangest thing is just the the cost that comes with it. So both Klingberg and Seth Jones are going to be unrestricted free agents, right? A- or and to me the 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 thing that I'm having my tr- trouble wrapping my head around is it seems unfathomable to me that Seth Jones is going to ask for less money than John Klingberg. And even if he does at the very least, right, he's made by by what he at least has been public, public, he's made no real move to say that he's, you know, he tend, he is expressing a desire to test free agency. So the part that doesn't make sense to me is that you have a known quantity in John Klingberg who has produced incredibly well for this team. He is, you know, he has been a, a fantastic player for this team. He was instrumental in keeping last season aflo- afloat. He was very good during the Stanley Cup final run. Like how he, he has... You know, find a, a star's achievement over the past couple of seasons, and and tell me that John Klingberg wasn't prominently involved, right? So, then to to flip him for a guy that's probably going to cost you more, or that you just might lose entirely, seems insane. Even if even if you accept, you know, even if even if Seth Jones is a comparable player, even if you think he's better, right? How much better does Seth Jones? have to be, to be worth immediately ditching Klingberg, spending that portion of the cap in your defense, right? What does is, what is his skill set have to look like to just blow things up, I guess is where I keep coming to.
2: Well, I mean, Klingberg is what makes the power play one unit go, um, and in that case, there's nobody on the roster who comes close to filling that role, so I just don't see how you do it.
1: And and you know, you get into a lot of to me roster casting and saying, well, Harley could be ready early or, you know, maybe Miro's ready to step into the number one power play role. It's 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 possible, I suppose, but I don't know. I just even the only thing that that to me, I guess maybe if behind the scenes you've got Seth Jones giving you some signal that he's willing to re-sign. Right. Okay. Then, then maybe you consider it. All right. I, I, if if they can get something done long term with Seth Jones, then sure, he's he's a good player. You've got to listen. Conversely, maybe you've got signal from from John Klingberg saying sort of the same thing. Hey, guess what? I, I intend to test the market. Right. And if if you've got clear indication either way, then that changes the calculus for me a little bit. Okay. If I know, if I know i'm going to lose Klingberg, then i may be more willing to take a gamble that i won't lose seth jones or if i know that i've got the opportunity to secure seth jones long term then maybe i'm less inclined to roll the dice on losing Klingberg. there are there are worlds in which it works it just feels i don't know it feels it's one of those like i don't feel how the stars you know looking at looking at how close, looking at the Tampa series right looking at what afflicted Dallas last season and looking at the the ages of the players and where the talent is and blah 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 the the part for me is i don't see how making a move from John Klingberg to Seth Jones makes this team better enough to kind of up level them right it doesn't put them into the next tier and I feel like a player of Klingberg's ability, you only really trade him if it gets you into that next tier. And I just, even if you improve, it's not going to be a ton. And so it just seems, it seems silly that he'd be a part of the discussion absent some information that none of us are aware of.
2: Yeah. Somebody's wishful thinking and not not a Dallas Stars fan. It's,
1: it's you know, it could be Columbus floating or, or Seth Jones's agent floating. Just yep. the way that it was worded, it could be. Columbus saying, hey, how about Klingberg? And then he's part of the conversation, right? It doesn't necessarily mean Dallas is serious. It just seems, it seems strange.
0: Yeah, I mean, unless you have, you kind of alluded to this, but like, unless you have a situation where Jones says, yes, Dallas, I will sign with you, you know, for the future. I'll sign an extension as soon as you trade for me. And Klingberg's telling you, yeah, I'm going to probably, test free agency and head elsewhere it's just that trade doesn't make sense maybe if you're acquiring jones and in place of lindell or something it does i mean but otherwise you can't afford you mentioned earlier Klingberg is the one power play guy you can't really replace him and you know all the people were saying oh thomas early he could uh maybe do that one day i mean it <laughs> wasn't that long ago that people were saying hey Wingberg is expendable because Julius Honka is going to come right around and be the next big thing on the stars. So it's kind of like, you know, as KT mentioned earlier in our chat, it's like the old family guy, bit. it's not a, you know, a boat is a boat, but a box could be anything. It could even be a boat. Like just, just stick with what you know and what you know is working and what is good for your team and don't overthink things.
1: Don't overthink things indeed. Um, yep. yeah, I, I think that's the only way to look at it again, it, it, there may be other pieces involved. you 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 might have my attention if line A's coming back in the same direction like there there's a world in which, but I just I just look at Columbus and I, I don't I don't see again, I don't see a deal there that turns Dallas into I, I don't see the pieces on Columbus's roster. That turned Dallas into a team that is suddenly going toe to toe with Tampa Bay at the top. They're not in the top of the division any longer. But just looking at last season, I don't see I I don't see a deal that puts Dallas into you know the the Colorado tier, moving Klingberg. And if that's the case, then honestly, what's the point? I'd rather Dallas focus on re-signing Klingberg, finding help elsewhere, and and kind of seeing where the chips fall. The the Jones thing just I don't know. It, it feels like a reputation play that will, you know, we'll see how things we'll we'll see how things develop over the next couple of days. Uh, we've got the expansion draft coming up. I, I just close very quickly with with some fun prognostication. We'll go with you first, Mark. Who does Seattle take off of Dallas's roster? No, no wishy washy. You got you got to give me a name.
2: Well, now I talk myself into I'm uh,
1: back there. How about you, Tyler? Uh, if it's not Ben
0: Bishop, it's gonna be uh, we'll go a wild card, Blake Como.
1: All right, Get veteran leadership, I love it. I'm I'm gonna, for the sake of variety, say that they um, Seattle uses their exclusive window to negotiate a deal with Jamie Alexiak, and they pick up the big rig. That's my that's my prognostication. Who doesn't love a gigantic defenseman that has shown flashes of handsiness that that could be especially looking at, you know, looking at some of the forward options elsewhere. I don't think you, there are, there are guys you can take to stock your forward core. And there aren't as many, there aren't as many players that profile in the way that people seem to like about Alexiak. So that's my prediction.
2: So, so one way or another, they're going to pick up size.
1: You know, I think that's the, that's the overriding theme. You got to get big, in the modern yep. NHL, size and grit. Size yep. and grit. Well, it will be just a couple quick days before we find out. Uh, again, thank you both for joining me this evening, KT. Thanks for working the the magic behind the scenes, and we'll just see what happens with our beloved Dallas Stars. Take take it easy, everyone.